0: This is Max Castellanos, El Chingon de Texas. This is the Firestarter, Jake Chris. This is ECW Original, The Enforcer, C.W. Anderson.
1: And this is Gringo Loco. This is former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Tim Storm, and you're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast.
0: Vinnie Berry and for more than 20 years I've covered news and sports specializing in pro boxing MMA and wrestling this is Keith Elliott Greenberg this is Miss Reality Maddie Wankowski listen to stories from pro wrestling on the Russellville podcast this is the golden boy Greg Anthony to listen go to Russellville.com or on Spotify Russellville it's where wrestling lives the Russellville podcast now that my friend is just incredible The Pro Wrestling Vault 35 short stories including Harley Race Barrett Brown Brown, Ricky Morton Cordell Walker Tracy Smothers and Tim Storm Along with 400 photos from the independent scene, get your book today by going to russellville.com. Russellville, it's It's where where wrestling wrestling lives. PWC podcast with Rick. Santo, for all your wrestling reviews, interviews, and news, Rick covers the United Wrestling Network, the NWA, NWA, NWA. and the Northeast region of the United States Independence. Yes. PWC, 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 PWC. PwC keeps keep you in the you're listening to the Russellville podcast. I'm your host Vinny Berry and my guest today is Flynn Hendricks, professional wrestler of 15 years. Flynn, how are you doing? Man, I'd be
1: lying if I said I wasn't tired, but I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm glad you're here too.
1: Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's uh it's been a crazy week and like I was telling you before we started rolling here had an event last night and this is really the first chance I've had to actually be home for a little bit and get my bearings after after a crazy week of travel and you know other commitments and things going on so it's nice to actually have a minute to sit down and chat sometimes busy is good and sometimes not being busy is good right absolutely if i could just find some time for more sleep in there i think i'd be all right there you go talk to us a little bit about your wrestling career tell
0: us uh tell the listeners where they might have seen you and some of the places that you've worked in your decade and a half of wrestling.
1: Absolutely. Well, most recently, if they watched the SummerSlam pay-per-view or premium live event, whatever you want to call it, um, you saw me on there as one of the on-screen security guards for the Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle segment. I was the bald security guard. And, um, you know, before that I did work for NWA before it became the Billy Corgan incarnation. I was a two-time world junior heavyweight championship contender I also retired the uh, NWA Tennessee junior title and the mid-America X division title for two separate promotions in the Nashville area. I also worked for USWO where I was their final heavyweight champion. It was also the promotion that trained me originally. And I worked in about 13 other States uh, before I added Wisconsin to the list last week. So now I'm up to 14. So now, you know, now that I'm back in it full time you can catch me at Ultimate Championship Wrestling around the Eastern Tennessee and Southern Kentucky area and Legacy Pro Wrestling up in Milwaukee Wisconsin.
0: You know 15 years in the business that's that's quite some time you know I mean that I give you I give you credit right do you find over over that 15 years that that you have like some periods of your career that are
1: are kind of up and kind of down cuz right now it kind of sounds like you're going through an up period. Absolutely. A very unexpected up period, to say the least. But, you know, after last night, uh, just being transparent, I-, I feel like I hit that first speed bump of the year, or the first major speed bump, and kind of deflated the tires a little bit. But there-, there are definitely seasons and peaks and valleys to it. And, I mean, it's like what we see on TV where, you know, there's a good year where it seems like they can put out nothing but quality content and the next year just feels less than, then it's right back up the next year. It's definitely seasonal, and it's like a roller coaster ride. You just have to take the highs with the lows.
0: You know, when you mentioned that you wrestled for uh, the NWA uh, pre Billy Corgan, I I look at that period as um, a very interesting time for the National Wrestling yeah. Alliance because a lot of people weren't even aware that that was around it was almost yeah. like like a, a sleeper promotion right it was just quiet in some regards right but I, I mean when bruce thorpe came in he was actually getting some momentum going on there yeah. i think i think he really helped billy corgan catapult
1: that thing to what it is right now absolutely and it the thing is is There was a lot going on, especially, you know, like, uh, you know, current producer for WWE, Adam Pierce. If you go back and watch what he was doing, like his uh, seven seven levels of hate with uh, Colt Cabana back in like 2010, 2011, a lot of that was based out of Hollywood with championship wrestling from Hollywood, but they were doing a lot of great stuff, but a lot of eyes didn't really get on it until um, Rob Conway became the world heavyweight champion. And, you know, that was kind of uh, an eye-opening experience because I was close to him at the time, and I know he was doing everything he could to get eyes on the NWA, and he started traveling over to Japan with it. Uh, and at one point, I think he had the world tag titles as well, and he took he took those over there, and it opened a lot of doors, but it, I think it just took getting a guy with some name recognition from TV that people kind of forgot about to get eyes on it again, which was a shame that People weren't paying attention to all the quality stuff they were putting out beforehand, but it's awesome that they were able to get eyes on it, you know, probably because of Rob at that point. I, I, I myself, I, I give Adam
0: Pierce a a ton of credit. I, I, I thought he was an amazing wrestler, amazing talent. He was uh, so good for the, the company.
1: And uh, I mean, and we were, uh, we were actually supposed to have a match at the start of 2012, but um, somewhere around there, a, a downslide happened with the promoter that was running one of the NWA promotions at that time, and it fell through, but it was originally supposed to be – he was coming in for a triple threat match where it was him as the world's champion against uh, me as the X-Division champion and another guy that was the Mid-America heavyweight champion So, I mean, I was really looking forward to that because, I mean, you know, going from a world junior match to that, man, that you couldn't top that. Right. Who, who did you wrestle in that world junior match? The first one, uh, which I still hold as one of the best matches of my career. And you can actually hear me talk to them about it on my, I know you hear me podcast was, uh, with the modern day hero, Kevin Douglas. He was my first one. And then a year later, I actually wrestled, uh, chase owens and we had like a 45 minute match for that one but i i'll be honest i wasn't really happy with that one uh i held the first one in a higher regard than i did the second
0: yeah i um i'm familiar with both those wrestlers and uh you you can't you can't ask for better talent in the ring than those guys yeah i think that's i think that's one of the reasons why the belt was put on them in the first place you know to because they had the ability to uh, to work and and wrestle a variety of different people and
1: mm-hmm. yeah, they could really,
0: you know, hold their own, I guess, so yeah. to speak.
1: be a be a chameleon in the ring where you just kind of you you make it work wherever you're placed. whoever you're put in there with, you can make it work. and that's what a champion needs to be. you know, no matter what anybody says, you need to be able to work with somebody from three states over you've never met before. And then also work with somebody at your home promotion and have the same quality level of match. It's, I mean, that should be like the basis no matter what, you know, while we're on the topic of
0: the NWA junior heavyweight uh, championship, you know, you have other guys in that mix, you know, you had Eric Andrews, you had Mr. USA, Barrett Brown, all those guys, you know, uh, talented,
1: talented men in their own right. Very, very much so. But again, at that time, I, man, I, and I, I see the poster right there beside you. I think that's when Tim storm was, uh, was champion. And that was kind of like they had, they had deactivated the junior heavyweight title and then they brought it back, but it was only at that one promotion. So a lot of people weren't even aware that it was reactivated before, uh, you know, Billy Corgan bought the NWA and then brought it back then, which was a shame.
0: Well, what I, what I know about that and, and I could be, I could be a little, a, a a little misguided with my information. Yeah, it it got it got real wonky down there in the end of the Bruce Thorpe era. My understanding was that um, Mr. USA had it. He dropped the belt to Barrett Brown when Barrett Brown had the world championship, which he won, I believe, in Dyersburg, yep, that's Tennessee. Right. Yep. I I don't have the date, but. Uh, I I have it somewhere uh, because i i covered the i covered this is where I get to do my shameless bu- my shameless plug. <laughs> it's covered in detail in my book, Russellville: The Pro Wrestling Vault, Volume One. And um, Barrett Barrett Brown was champion during that time, and then when the switchover occurred, mm-hmm. that was when. The um I guess the title was deactivated if that's what you want right. to call it. Went to bed for a very, very long time and then they brought it back. Um what last year when they had the 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 tournament kind of to they After. ended up putting it on homicide. Yeah. What I what I couldn't understand was, and this was a head scratcher for me, was why would you not bring Barrett Brown
1: in for that? Actually i i take that back there was another guy in there because he was doing kind of a gladiator character his name was steve anthony i think he might have been the one that was holding it when it was deactivated because he had gone over to japan he was working some local promotions around here too and then he just kind of dropped off the face of the earth so i like i said it got really muddled in that time and i have no idea how why or if it was because of the upcoming transition. I, I don't know at that point, but I'd completely forgotten about Barrett Brown too. I just remember Dyersburg.
0: Yeah, I do remember Steve Anthony and I don't know what the, um, you know, I have to go kind of look back at the history on that, but yeah. Um, I, I spoke with Barrett Brown so, and it, and a lot of people that were close to him in that situation. So, um, I don't know why they didn't bring him in. And, uh, kind of disappointing not to use a talent like that in in that even even if
1: they're they're not going to put the belt on them right yeah, at least give him a shot like have some kind of continuity and again if you want to pay respects to traditions like you say you do have the people that have their name in that history and that lineage be a part of it
0: you know he's he's tearing it up currently in in japan and and then when he comes over here you know he uh Russell's in Texas quite a bit but for me I mean I can't understand why why we don't see him on a on a bigger stage I mean he's I don't know if you you're familiar with Barrett Brown but I think his his work is off the charts and and I'm not you know right I I mean no one's paying me to say that
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think again I think like because there's so much talent out there and that's something that you know, I, I kind of forgot and then got reintroduced to there's so much talent out there, but it's it, it literally just comes down to uh, to two things of who, you know, that can, you know, kind of open that door for you to get your foot in and then also being in the right place at the right time. And if you want to add consistency in there, too, that's that's the third key. But those three things, I mean, if he's if he's doing all that still and he's, you know, just kicking ass and taking names, something will he'll get on somebody's radar if he's not already. Right. Absolutely.
0: What do you think about the, the NWA junior heavyweight scene right now? You know, when you, when you look at some of the guys are in there, you yep. know, Co- Kobe Carino, uh Kerry Morton,
1: uh, some of those guys are, are in there. What do you, you know, what are if your I, thoughts? If I'm going to be honest about it, I feel like it was brought back and then just kind of, it's a, well it, it's there but we don't really talk about it unless you see a promoted match but I feel like the guys that they're promoting right now which don't get me wrong they're having some great matches but it, it's the same names and it's somebody's son you know it's it's Ricky Morton's son or it's uh it's Steve Carino's son but there's so much more talent out there that can work with these guys and make that title relevant but it doesn't seem like that's a big focus right now it seems like the focus is on the heavyweight championship, which rightfully so, but at the same time too, you brought this back. You made a big deal out of it. Now let it live up to the hype that you put behind it already and don't just kill it before it really has a chance to get going.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, uh, marketing and and promotion is is key in something like that, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely.
1: Especially with with the way the business is today, which, uh, you know, there's still a lot of people that, fight and scratch and claw to go against that athletic, you know, spotty style, we'll call it. But when you've got somebody that can do that and you've got a division that will highlight that, I mean, everybody remembers how fascinating and how different the cruiserweights were back in, you know, the mid nineties, take advantage of that again, because you're not going to see a guy like Trevor Murdoch doing flips off the top rope. You're not going to see him doing sunset planchas or whatever else it may be take advantage of that. And, you know, like give them something different on the card so that it's a buffet. So they don't want to see the same type of match every time, give them something different. Well, what was your thought when WWE brought in the two Oh five? Um, I was excited about it because I got to see some people that I had worked with previously, you know, get a shot at it. But then again, you know, like once it became its own thing, it kind of, it kind of pigeonholed a lot of guys, you know, because a pack or Neville, whatever you want to call him, uh, an Austin Aries, um, Buddy Murphy, you know, like it, it's a shame that he had to quote unquote trim weight to get down to that level, to get some recognition as a champion. I, I feel like it just pigeonholed a lot of guys that were talented, talented individuals, but we're never going to overcome that because the man in charge at that time didn't see him. As you know, main event stars, meanwhile, their heavyweight champion was only 10 pounds heavier than the person that had the cruiserweight title. It was it was brought back with the best of intentions, I think, but then once too many people got their hands on it, it just be, kind of became a throwaway because you see 205 Live now isn't even about the, the cruiserweight division. It, it's got a little bit of everything on it, so just call it another show and not 205 Live. So it's just kind of lost in the shuffle. Right. I've been finding myself
0: gravitating toward the nxt uh, product and you know which is something that i that i watched religiously maybe five years ago and then got away from it started watching raw got away from it started watching you know whatever right i'm always watching wrestling but it's never it's never the same i kind of go here i kind of go there you know "Eh, i'm tired of going that place I the thought of it yeah, and that's and that's the fun of it. And I and I got back into watching NXT and you know, some some of it is, you know, hey, I, I like I like this uh I like this little battle, this feud here, I like this angle, I, I, I like these characters. I'm not so big on on this over here. Yeah. Uh I like what they're doing here. They they're off the charts, you know, and then over here it's like I just It's, it doesn't mean anything to me. So, I mean, but that's, that's wrestling, right? I mean, that's, that's why you've got the big guys and the, the, the high flyers and the technical
1: guys and the characters. And it's, it's literally a, a buffet. Just there's something for everybody, but the person that's promoting the show or promoting the product has to be smart enough to take advantage of all that because every match cannot be, you know, fast, fast paced, hard hitting, just up, up, up. There has to be like a slower methodical match to bring them down. Maybe a comedy match for like the, the families that bring their kids to it. Uh, a women's match, a tag match, just different strokes to entertain the paying crowd. Because if you give them the same thing every time, you can only see that, you know, a few times before it loses its luster. You know, it's like, I hate to be grotesque, but you can only see a car crash so many times before it, stops being shocking and appalling to you, you know, like that's kind of what we do with all the, you know, the slams and the different things we do. It is kind of a car crash, but people can only see that so many times before, before they just get tired of it and stop coming.
0: What What do you think about all the, uh, Oh, I guess all the, uh, frustrated wrestlers right now, all the, all the, um, you know, MJF being frustrated with, um, Tony Khan. Uh, you've got the, um, uh, Sasha Banks, uh, frustrated over there, you know,
1: is it real frustration or is it a work? I think a lot of it was legitimate frustration. And in some cases, like the MJF thing, um, which I'm going to go ahead and do a little sidebar here and just say that everything he was doing, including calling himself the devil, I was doing 10 years ago and getting slapped on the wrist by promoters down here for saying I was going too far. But anyway, um, I think there was a lot of legitimate, you know, like pissed off feelings there because when you're one of the guys that was a cornerstone, like as the promoter of the company has said, this is one of the guys I wanted to build around, but he's constantly having to, do the favors for these guys that were you know former wwe superstars that that does get frustrating I, i'm kind of in a situation like that now uh, on, a, on a lower level with some independence where it, it's not so much about the money which the money is a big part but it's the creative the creative that you're putting your body and your emotions into that you're invested in and it, it's not coming to fruition. Like you're told it will, or like you're like the plan is, and you know, like you're, you, you feel devalued at that point. And when you feel devalued, your work suffers and you just, you're not bringing the best you to the job. So I I get that 100%. And I used to be somebody that would say if they're paying me. I don't care. I'll just show up. If they pay me, I don't care. I'll lose every night. But when you're told something and like, you have all this hype put behind you and it's not being given to you and it's just kind of being undermined, it makes you feel like less of a person and like you were just strung along the whole time just to get somebody else's end game and you're not gonna get what you were promised at the end of it. So I get that frustration, but since we haven't seen um, you know, either of those two ladies come back on TV, I don't know if that was a work or not. But I know with MJF, it feels like they found a place to meet in the middle and make those real-life frustrations something that they could make money off of because, obviously, three months ago, everybody was talking about it. And then as soon as he came back in a mask, everybody on social media went crazy. And, you know, you see where it is now. So, But, again, at that point, I don't understand why they're not just having him face John Moxley since he has that poker chip and let those two guys do it instead of having the tournament for the new championship. That's, that's just my two cents on it.
0: Yeah. 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 That's very interesting stuff. And then also too, you know, if it is legitimate, he, you know, wouldn't you want to keep that stuff behind the closed doors anyway? I mean, sometimes some of that stuff is for, for the office only.
1: Absolutely. And then here's, here's the thing too, which he, he goes on TV uh, speaking of MJF, and he constantly references wwe what happens if when his contract is up in you know a year and a half two years whenever it may be what happens if they don't sign him what happens if he has the opportunity to go there and they don't want him what good did that do for the aew product at this point all it does is make them feel less than obviously you've seen
0: uh, a lot of politics play their their hand in, in in your business so you know uh some of the things that you you shared and you're talking
1: about you can only talk about because you've experienced firsthand you see a lot of that Ugh, um like i was saying you know like last night kind of being a a, a speed bump type of thing yeah it, it definitely it plays a lot in into the business more than you think but when we go out behind the curtain, you know, uh, when we come out from behind the curtain and enter that arena for the crowd, that doesn't need to come out there. Doesn't need to come out physically, doesn't need to come out in our performance unless we just want to give the best physical performance out there. But yeah, I mean, it's it what it literally comes down to is a bunch of fragile egos, and people that don't want to lose these spots that they think make them make them superior to these people. And they're afraid of letting that go. They're afraid of letting somebody else get the top spot on the show when their act may be running stale. And they'll do anything they can or they'll try and sabotage somebody to get from that point. And it's it's sad, it's frustrating. And then when somebody has a legitimate reason, like this isn't the right time to do this in this storyline, we're doing it too soon. You know, it makes that person that has a legitimate reason seem like they're playing the same game. And it it's a double edged sword. You're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't. And, but ultimately, at the end of the day, the promoter has to see that when the crowd starts suffering. That That's what it all comes down to, because these politics do more than just, you know, piss people off in the back or show your fragile ego, because it all comes down to how it affects the paying crowd, because if that crowd starts dwindling when that person is on top 24 seven, That It's time for a change. It's time for a change, but some people cannot let that go. And some promoters don't want to hurt their, you know, hurt these people's feelings because they're friends. But, you know, if it's a business, a friend should understand a business decision. That's, that's the way I look at it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And things happen all the time at work, right? You're, or you're, where you're like, well, I understand business very well. I know why they're doing this. It's not personal, and, and yeah, it's just the 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 way it is, you know. Yep. Talk to us a little bit about what you what you do outside of pro wrestling. On the outside looking in, you your life looks pretty fun. <laughs>
1: well, it, it's fun, I will say that. But man, there's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Like I, like I said earlier, you know, like a lot of not sleeping like there there's not enough hours in the day so to speak but I mean outside of this I am an actor uh I do voiceovers I've got representation out in LA and I also have it over in London and I also you know host a podcast where I talk to other actors entrepreneurs wrestlers and just talk about like the things that people may not know about their stories for where they got to where they are now that probably don't get talked about like all the mental health struggles the the speed bumps they hit that people just imagined didn't exist. And it kind of helps humanize these people. And I've, I've had people tell me like, you know, I was going through this and I, I didn't know how to get help. I didn't know how to talk to somebody about it. But when I heard, you know, guest X that I'd seen on TV so many times talk about it, it, it made me feel like I could do something to change the path I was on before I made a choice I couldn't come back from. And that that's, the end goal right there is helping somebody in that regard because when I started that podcast, I had a lot of frustrations from wrestling from marriage, from, you know, like childhood trauma, being a dad, just things that I wasn't able to communicate. And it ended up becoming an outlet for me, same as the acting where it was easier to express it that way than it was to actually talk to somebody. And, you know, am I booking 24 seven? I wish, but, I'm getting auditions every day, so the, that's the job right there is the auditions. and it's it's something that keeps me busy. It's something that lets me you know go back to the sandbox and be a kid again and have some fun. but it's also giving me a chance to pursue this dream and you know set an example for my kids or other people that you know it's a marathon, not a sprint, but when you finally get to that finish line, you can chase your dreams and you can have a life doing that and you know if i can do it you can do it so like it's just been a matter of doing all this to live my dream and i fell back into acting all because of wrestling because when i tried to step away the first or second time i was constantly chasing that high of man i've got to feel like i did when i walked out the curtain i've got to have that feeling 24/7 and i found it in these ways and then i was able to come right back into wrestling all over again and change my game and like you said, now have a pretty, pretty up year. And it's all just been hustling, grinding, putting feet to pavement, putting my mouth to a microphone like we're doing now and just having fun and just sacrificing some sleep along the way, but making it happen, man. It's just, it's been a crazy ride. I think when a lot of
0: people see uh, success that other people are having that they don't realize
1: sometimes of all the work that goes into it. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing, too. There's a lot of sacrifices, which my family has been amazing at, you know, helping me do this. Like right now, my wife has our kids and she's probably getting them ready for nap time. But, you know, it's just it's it's teamwork more than anything else. It's not a one man show. Like I call myself the one man enterprise, but I've, I've got a team of people behind me. And I maybe put a little extra unnecessary pressure on myself to say if I fail, I'm letting them down because they you know, or if I, if I, I shouldn't say fail because you can learn something in failure, but if I slack or if I half-ass this, I'm, I'm cheating them too, because they invested in me, they sacrificed in me. And that's something that coming back with that attitude and kind of the drive in the wrestling business has ruffled a lot of feathers for people. And, you know, it is what it is, but I, like I said, I've represented UCW now because of acting, I've gotten to go out to California. And I've gotten them, you know, free publicity, took the championship out there, uh, you know, just wrestled in Wisconsin last week and represented the championship. And it's all because this major conglomeration of wrestling, acting and everything has finally come together and it's paying off where I'm not just a one dimensional wrestler. Now I'm getting to do all these other things and that's actually opened the doors for acting things and then, you know, the acting thing has kind of gotten me some more eyes wrestling. So it's kind of a win-win situation.
0: Yeah. Do you ever find yourself being recognized at wrestling matches for some acting
1: job that you've done? Um, I, I wish I could say I was at that point, but not yet. But that day will come. That day will come. Yeah, you look like the guy on that chicken commercial. <laughs> hey, didn't I hear you on that Yelp commercial? Yes, you did. <laughs> Now, if somebody and, comes up and says that, then I, I, I'm done. That's it. But, yeah, if you hear me on a Yelp commercial, yes, that was me.
0: <laughs> so, Flynn, tell the listeners where they can find you. Tell them your podcast name one more time and where it can be found, and then Absolutely. we'll go through your your other
1: uh, pieces of work. Yep. All right. So, um, pretty much I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My podcast is available on all major podcast platforms, and uh, the podcast is called, I know you hear me. I took my wrestling catchphrase and made that the name, but instead of giving you the links to everything, I've got it all bundled up in one nice place. You can just go to Linktree slash thief Flynn Hendricks got everything you need right there. Um, if you want to buy some shirts that are on their way in, feel free to do that. A portion of every sale goes to the humane society too. So I may be a bad guy in the ring, but I try to be a nice guy outside of it. So if you want to support and subscribe or Get a shirt, make a donation, whatever you want to do. All the information is at linktree slash the Lynn hendricks. All right. Well, I've enjoyed having you on the show for sure. Really. Well, thank you, my friend. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. What a what a what a neat conversation. Absolutely. And you got to you got to let me uh, explore it from a business side of things. So I appreciate that yeah no well it it
0: was fun to talk to you about the different aspects of the the wrestling uh promotion the n w a and you know what you thought about the cruiserweight division too and I didn't even think that
1: we'd get into that so. right neither did i I didn't come in expecting that so i'm I'm glad we got to deviate a little bit and have some fun with it, yeah, absolutely. well, hey man, anytime you'd
0: like to come back you know you you know how to get in touch with me and absolutely i'll have I'll be back anytime you'll have me all right, well, thank you very much. Thank you, man. Have a good one. You too. All right. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon.